0: I'm Greg Bedea, and you're listening to The Monarchist.
1: Hey, Monarch Nation. It's The Monarchist, and we're here for the UVA Arkansas State Review and Preview. I am Mike, and I am welcomed, as always, by Aaron Zelensky and Gary Williams. Welcome, everybody. How y'all doing? Good, Mike. How are you? Uh, could be better. Tough day yesterday. Hot and not ideal uh, way to lose.
2: Yeah, well, the drive was safe home from Charlottesville, so I guess it was a <laughs> good day.
0: Yeah, tough, uh, tough leaving Charlottesville uh, after another close game that we probably had a lot of opportunities to win.
1: Absolutely. So before we get down to breaking down what we thought of the game, um, what were your favorite moments of this trip?
0: We had a great crowd over on Geldard Road around the, uh, the vehicle with some good food uh, from Wegmans. Sponsor away, feel free Wegmans um some good food over there had some great people come by end up having a pretty good crew up in the stand So, you know for me just hanging out with a lot of the monarchists a lot of friends of uh, a lot of people from the alumni tailgate group so just a good good meet with everybody it was a good time
2: yeah it was a great time I think monarch nation showed up well we had a, a bunch of people in section 111 also off to our left that was probably 112 I'm guessing there was a, a really large contingent where the band was making a butt ton of noise up into our left. And we had an awesome appearance by Hudson, which was pretty cool. I know Hudson tried to lick Mike's face off. I got an awesome picture with, with my wife with him. And uh, he made a ton of people happy in the stands, both Old Dominion fans and UVA fans alike.
1: Yeah, still can't believe they first didn't want to allow him there. And then second finally succumbed to the pressure of the internet and made the right decision but uh yeah that was pretty special getting to meet him at halftime yesterday i got to meet a lot of people that i've either talked to on boards at twitter for years yeah other than that it was the tailgate was awesome we also had a great dinner last night at south street brewery and then hit up the bars on main street afterwards but man it was hot yesterday wasn't it
2: <laughs> It was, it was hot. Hey, it was pretty cool, Mike. Also, we got to meet David Agadello, old Monarch Asylum, uh, precursor to this podcast. So it was cool talking with him, being able to just kind of shoot the bull. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, Kyle Battle's mother, uh, Diane, came over to hang out with us for a bit at the tailgate and then also at the game. Uh, Always good to see her. I believe we were told to pressure Kyle into coming to the football game next Saturday. I think Uh, that's kind
2: of a quote pretty much straight from Mrs. Battle's mouth. Yeah. I think that's a Twitter move
1: for us. All
2: right. So the game, Gary,
1: you want to give us kind of your recap and thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough loss. Uh, There were a lot of opportunities for old Dominion to go and win that ball game. Uh, especially on the offensive side to only have 14 points uh, was, was really tough uh, to, to kind of go through that. A lot of opportunities to win. I thought we played well in some areas. We didn't play well in others. Uh, I don't want to overreact too much of this because we do have to remember this is a two point road loss against an ACC school. So like we're in year two of a rebuild. I don't want to overreact too much, but there's definitely some things that if they continue and become a trend could be a, a big problem. Um, I imagine if you're a UVA fan and you're, what you watch that game, you're looking at the box score, you're rewatching, it, you're probably like, man, we could have won that game by, by 20 if we wouldn't have just malfunctioned in the red zone and missed the field goal. So, tough loss. Uh, definitely a, a chance, plenty of chances for Old Dominion to win that game.
2: Yeah, I know coaches will often say, a game never comes down to one play. There's lots of opportunities throughout a game and no single play causes a team to win or to lose. But it seemed like there were a lot of those individual plays where things could have kind of you know, gone one way or another. I know we'll talk about some of them, but a number of individual plays that probably turned this game from a loss to a win.
1: So one of the common discussions we've had after the Tech game and after the ECU game was the offensive line. We need to get more time for Wolf to pass. The run game to develop, and we made a change. Big Sal goes to from tackle to guard, and Chris Adams replaces him at tackle. Um, this is the best our offense looked all season. We were moving the ball pretty well. We weren't doing great once we got into the near the red zone, but that was the most our offense looked like a, a machine all year. So I was happy to see that change. Obviously, we need to. Keep making improvements, but I'm happy that that change was made. I I don't know what they're going to do now that Adams got injured because we saw his health off the field and then on the sidelines, they gave him an air cast and carted him off. So we got to wish him best health and hope he recovers quickly, but it'll be interesting to see how they react to that injury moving forward.
0: Yeah, moving Sal to right guard, putting in Chris Adams at right tackle uh, seemed to work. I mean, the offensive line looked the best it has all year. Uh, I know I've I've been hard on Xavier Black uh, the last two times we've chatted. I thought Xavier had a, a fantastic game. Uh, there was a, a play later in the game that I ended up getting, getting flagged, but he basically got hands to the face, his helmet was completely ripped off, and he is still just absolutely driving the defensive line back. Uh, seeing his progression from the tech game where there were a lot of problems with snap and blocking to this, to where like he's really established himself as the center. I'm, I'm happy to see his hard work paying off. Don't know what that mix is going to look like going into the Arkansas state game, because Chris Adams did have that, that rough injury. We were right behind the ODU bench. I saw him getting air casted and, and carted off. You just, you hate to see that because I thought he played so well at right tackle, especially as a, as a freshman coming in and playing a really key spot. You know, you talk about the offense moving the ball. When we were there in the stands, it felt like the offense wasn't moving. But kind of on the rewatch and looking at the stats, four of our first six drives actually ended in UVA territory, one of them being that touchdown before halftime. It was like we could get to the UVA 40, and then it just kind of broke down from there. If you want to look at the first drive of the game, I thought we did some things we haven't done in the past. Ran a good bit of double tight, had some guard pulls and some creative runs. We had a a handoff to uh, kind of sweep to to Spencer that did pretty well. And then we had one later to Page. I feel like we were trying to open up that defense a little bit, uh, especially on that first drive. It it ends in UVA territory. We have a, a, a fourth and two. I like the call there to be aggressive and go for it. If you look at that drive, we've really been pushing UVA back. Fourth and two, really something like one and a half. Uh, Sims was in at, at running back, got stuffed, and it didn't work out. But I actually like that call to be aggressive, especially early in the game and, and pretty deep in the UVA territory.
2: Well, you beat me to the punch, Gary, because I was just going to ask you guys what you thought about that play. Early on, do you take those points and put something on the board, get an early, quick win? But obviously we know, Gary, you like the call there. Mike, I'd be interested in what you thought. Well, hindsight
1: is twenty-twenty vision, right? Uh, it's okay, what, say, hey, what were you what
2: were, what were you thinking? I always take the points.
1: I, I like the idea. I like the aggressiveness. He's putting faith in his offense and offensive line. I like all of that stuff. But for a team that has not scored consistently this season, you take the
2: points. Right after that play, they come up with a pretty big running play. Right after, where there's two or three tackles that we miss. And they bust off a pretty significant run um kind of just slips the momentum if i if i'm remembering this correctly from being in the stands
0: yeah i mean uva moved the ball down the field after that drive you know they they took over at their own 23. that was actually the start of uva's first touchdown drive they had the big 38 yard run amori morrison also got hurt on that drive kind of on the odu sideline there and first play after he came out, they immediately ran at at his spot and ended up you know getting in for a touchdown for their their first one of the day.
1: well Aaron, what are your thoughts on the situation? What do you do?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, in that situation, it's a zero zero game. The defense had come up with a stop before. I probably take the points, but that's why I'm not coaching either. I'm a fan and not a coach, like you said, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But there was a flip of momentum and UVA went straight down. The first play was was significant. They went down. They got their the 7-0, and, you know, we never lead again. Well, we never led, but you know what I'm saying. Um, we did, we're playing we catch-up.
1: We did lead. That's true. You're
2: right. For 40 seconds. We did, and we were pretty hyped during, <laughs> during that time. My voice is still trying to recover. But, uh I should say we're playing from behind like we have so much of this season so far, which has allowed us to see how much fight this team has. The team always knows that they're still in this game and they're going to fight to the last second, but I look forward to the first opportunity where they can really put the pedal down and exert their will on the opponent.
0: Yeah, and you know, following up the the UVA touchdown, ODU again moved the ball pretty well. They moved into UVA territory. Unfortunately, had to, to punt from the, the UVA 47, but they were able to pin UVA back. And I mean, they took over at their own four. It was a three play drive. They only got five yards and punted again. Un- unfortunately, you know we we had that great field position that we had established with Ethan Duane pinning them deep at the four punt goes and it's just kind of a weird play on the punt it, it wasn't really a muff punt it hit one of the blockers in the back near the sidelines I mean you know nine times out of ten that ball probably bounces out of bounds it doesn't get covered but that was that was just a kind of a tough bad break for us because UVA was then essentially able to continue that drive defense stood up they went back out there they played well and held them to, to just a field goal instead of letting them get six. Um, but that was kind of a, a rough sequence early in the game to put us down in a 10 nothing hole.
1: All right. So, Wolf, I thought he made some really good progress this game. He was a lot more consistent. Obviously, his movement in the pocket still – he's still got those slow feet or lack of movement that we could we, – we all want to see him move better. But throwing-wise and his decision-making was pretty good yesterday. Nothing really glaring that you could say he needs to do this better or that better other than maybe moving in the pocket a little bit. And Koontz finally gets open and makes some plays this week. Awesome to see. Ollie continues to be a badass. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I kind of talked about it last week. This could be a good game for Zach Koontz to break out based on how UVA had defended tight ends before. Ends up with six receptions for 83 yards and a touchdown. He was still getting a lot of attention uh, from that defense, but they had to kind of break it up a little bit and and cover Ali, and Ali helped free him up, and then Zach freed up Ali a little bit. Ali had a great game as well, seven catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Ali ran some amazing routes on Saturday. I mean, just clean, crisp, in the right spot, right time. The corner is still dropping back, and he breaks off his route and runs it out thought that, that he was fantastic we ran the ball quite well too i mean we, we had to run it a lot and we knew we were going to run it a lot but i mean blake watson getting 20 plus carries and you know just under eight, 79 yards of, of yards on the ground is, is is pretty awesome but yeah this was a nice breakout game for seconds
2: yeah so they ran the ball a couple times a couple sweeps which were successful i think one for maybe nine or 10 yards another one for like six yards but it really kind of gave a different look i was surprised that we didn't see another one i think they were both in the first half if i remember correctly but we didn't see that again i don't yeah, know that's,
1: that's spencer and page one were pretty close to each other yeah
0: yeah we, we saw that in the first half and a lot of that was out of that double tight set where you can pull that opposite side tight end and along with either a guard or a tackle to go and it, it opened up quite a lot to Sims, got some carries out of the backfield as well I thought he he was was pretty strong. The few times he got the ball in his hands with five yards or five carries and, and seventeen yards, but we really went away from that in the second half. I mean, most of our running plays were were kind of that zone read right up the middle. Uh, and I want to point to the the first drive coming out of halftime. We we had a lot of momentum there. Ali makes that insane catch on a great pass from Hayden Wolf right in front of our section where we were sitting. We're pumped. It's basically it's 10-7 going into halftime. The ODU offense drives down the field. They, they get some good yardage. They're out near midfield. Third and seven, inside handoff, up the middle, and it, it gets stuff. UVA knew that was coming. They had eight in the box, and I think there gonna be about 10 UVA jerseys around Blake Watson when, when he was getting tackled there. That was a tough one to see. I don't know. Kind of watching it, you think, and knowing our offense is an RPO type offense, or there's a lot of option for the quarterback to hand it off, to keep it in run, to keep it in pass. You know, someone brought up a really good point to me last night. You know, what if that option is not actually there? That that is a straight handoff and Hayden doesn't have the ability or permission, if you want to call it, to take that ball back and run. And I look at that play specifically because if you go back and watch that, there is not a UVA player on that side of the field on that play. So if Hayden is reading the defensive end, the defensive end's biting, the linebacker, our one receiver on that side is running a slant to drop the corner and the safety goes side of the field. If he has that option, I have to feel like he would keep that if he had it, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that would be a great question for one of our members of the media to ask Ricky in a in a press conference this week to see if Hayden has that run pass option.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree because that's the one thing that people keep wondering. Obviously he fakes the handoff to Blake quite a bit, and then you see him stand there the field is wide open, or you see him hand it off to Blake and Blake runs into stone wall, and if he keeps it there's nothing in front of him, but green grass. So, I that t- the talk you must have had it sounds like that person knew what they were talking about. It doesn't seem like something you just think up. Um, yeah,
0: and it, it it does make you kind of question if that is in place because there were a lot of opportunities for Hayden to take off for huge chunk plays, and you know it, Hayden doesn't need to run a four but I, I think with our offense, if he does have that option to keep and run, even if he gets three yards and falls down, that is a benefit for our offense that opens our offense up because it makes that defensive end hesitate a little bit. Or if it's an outside linebacker, makes them hesitate a little bit. But you watch you know, in that second half, any time that we were in any kind of run fake, the UVA defense was all over. I mean, the offensive line, there's only five of them. And if you're blitzing eight, you can't block all eight especially when, you know, you don't have to account for the quarterback as a run threat in the offense. That's one less weapon you have. It makes running the ball harder, passing the ball harder, makes it a harder job for the offensive line. So I, I, I would love to know the answer to that question if Hayden has the ability to keep and run. I, I know there's, you know, potential injury concerns, all of those things. But if you look at the other side of the ball and see what Brandon Armstrong was able to do, he killed us with his feet. He ended up with 14 carries and 76 yards. And some of those carries were really important and important key points of the game. And I just feel like we are missing that in our offense right now. That additional weapon that could really open everything up.
2: It only takes a couple times a game because you are absolutely right. The UVA defenders didn't even look at him. I mean, if you're watching, it's it's almost like, hey, you don't, number 11, don't even, if he's not throwing the ball. He doesn't have it. You know, type the of other, deal, so There's one other thing I'd like the media to ask about, and that would be
1: what did they see on the field that made that screen to Zach look like a good play
0: call? Are you, you talking about the one on the last Epic. offensive drive of the game? Yeah. So, I – re-watching that I actually think that was a pretty good play call at the time I was like what in the world are you doing I was screaming at the field I fully admit that but watching it he was in single man coverage with Langston their their safety and he comes in motion and you see that it's straight man coverage Langston follows him if you look at the field when you kind of zoom back on that Langston makes an incredible play to tackle Zach Wright as he catches that ball If he doesn't make that tackle or he gets chipped by someone, Zach has six. Because our two receivers pushing those corners and that safety down the field, there's a ton of turf. So at the time in the stands, I was pulling my hair out a little bit.
2: It wasn't just you. We were looking at each other yelling. But (laughs) like you said, when you go back and you watch it, you obviously were able to see a much different angle, much more global picture of what was going on there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Langston Long made a great play on that, but uh, that Coons got him back for that touchdown pass. He had a pretty little double move that really just broke his ankles and Zach was able to get to the pylon for a touchdown. But, you know, Langston Long played a fantastic game in the second half of the UDA. Yeah, I was
1: about to say I heard
0: my last name a lot during the game and I've never
1: been so angry. (laughs) He was fantastic.
0: Yeah, he was all over the field. And, I mean, they had him on Koontz, they had him on Ali, and basically wherever he wasn't, that's who they were thrown to. You have to give the UVA defense credit. They were a dumpster fire last year. They looked much better against ODU today, much better than they did against Illinois, which they kind of got run through the ringer against Illinois because their offense couldn't do anything. But they, they made some big plays. They schemed against us. I thought something interesting that UVA did – that is different from what East Carolina and Virginia tech did. They were more willing to only rush four or maybe five. Instead of, you know, East Carolina and tech, they were crashing the middle and trying to go after us. They tried that early and it wasn't successful. I know one of the stacks that that came on for Hayden was actually a coverage stack. We only had three wide receivers out and somehow they all ended up within five yards of each other in the middle of field and UVA had it blanketed. They did a pretty good job in coverage. Uh, we just had – Holly and, and Koontz are just difficult to cover. Like, Holly is a special player that we are lucky to have at ODU.
2: So a couple of minutes ago, you guys were talking about how Armstrong just killed us running the ball. Our defense did come up really big on one of those scrambles. Robert Kennedy laid a nice hit on him, dislodged the ball, and Trey Hawkins came up. That was a That was a huge play. In the second half to really give us a shot and winning this game
0: yeah the defense they were kind of bend but don't break I mean three red zone turnovers is huge Ryan Henry had a massive strip sack in that game too he came in Armstrong didn't see him popped and ball came out we recovered it it ended up giving up over 500 yards of offense to UVA but not that many points that's, that's You know, I think that that happens a little bit in the style of of defense that we run. Uh, When we brought pressure, Armstrong was awful. He couldn't get the ball out in time. He didn't have anywhere to run. But when we brought four or five, he was able to make throws downfield. There were some plays where he he was baking a cake back there. But also he did a really good job of when that pocket started collapsing to step up, take off, and run. That added weapon of his feet really hurt us a lot, especially on third down.
1: All right, fellas. So, is there anything else in this game that you think we need to highlight?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do want to talk a little bit more about the defense. I mean, the bend the don't break mentality. They weren't out on the field nearly as long as they were against East Carolina. But early in the game, we did not tackle very well. We had a lot of missed tackles that broke some bigger plays, especially with, with their running back, Xavier Brown. I mean, he had nine carries for 90 yards. And a lot of those, you know, were, were yards after first contact. We kind of buckled down a little bit later in the game, but really a lot of missed tackles. You know, we we put some spies on Brennan Armstrong. They just and they were in position. They just didn't make the tackle. So there were a lot of these drives that got extended just by by missed tackles. And Armstrong is really elusive. He's fast. He's deceptively fast. So you know, it's it's not an easy task for me to say like, oh, just you know, just go tackle the guy. Like it's it's really difficult. But a lot of those plays from Armstrong extended uh, the drives for us and eventually led to points. So, uh, you know, great job of the defense to, to limiting the, their time in the end zone. I mean, they only had you know, one touchdown in, in the game, and that's fantastic. But we really got to buckle down on those fundamentals of, of tackling. And I think that would help us quite a bit. Uh, but we you know, we had some guys that were out on some plays, too. And Maury Morrison got hurt early in the game. Uh, Terry Jones got hurt he did come back thankfully Jason Henderson went out for a little while Uh, I know he had he I think he was getting an IV is is what they said on the broadcast so we had to mix in uh, a lot of guys there but if we can tackle a little bit better and kind of clean up those fundamentals the defense is going to look even better than than what they did at GBA
1: so looking at the numbers Jason with another 12 tackles I believe he's now number two in the country in tackles, which we all know he's been playing great, but that puts it into a totally different light. I think he was three coming into this week, so now he's two.
0: He's incredible. He flies to the ball. He gets the tackles he probably shouldn't have. To be honest, as we move in the conference play, I would actually like to see his number of tackles go down and number of tackles from the defensive line go up. Uh, UVA did a good job of kind of neutralizing our front four, especially when a Morrison went out. We really weren't getting pressure fast enough with those front four. I mean, they're working hard, but, you know, they're outnumbered four to one. And sometimes there's a running back back there to get whoever gets through. Uh, but I would like to see more tackles from our defensive line and put a little bit less of that burden on Henderson and Henry. You know, our safeties had quality tackles in that game, too, when the running backs were getting into the second level. So it would it
2: would be nice to you know
0: let let Jason Henderson take a break. Maybe only get ten tackles a game, bud. like let the defensive line get a get a few.
2: One thing that you guys might not think is a big deal, but it really stuck in my craw was that Miss Face Mask. Hayden takes a sack. I think it's the first drive in the fourth quarter. So third and fifteen. He gets pulled down. It's pretty easy to see. I mean, we saw it from the complete opposite end of the the field, but somehow the officials miss it. The announcers calling the game on the TV were amazed that it was missed on the field. But I think that's a significant play. I think it's still a 10-7 game. We're forced to punt there from pretty deep in our own territory instead of getting 15 yards and having a first and 10.
0: Yeah, and that was the the first drive of the fourth quarter where they missed that. And, you know, there was a sack on the play. It was third and four. It should have been a first down. It was a pretty clear face mask. Um, but, you know, you're not going to get all the calls, unfortunately. It's weird. It, it, it used to be that the away team had their conference reps at those games. But these were ACC officials. And I think we've seen that a couple times this year. And I've noticed it in some games, but not others. So I think it's kind of weird that that dynamic has changed a little bit. I do want to give a shout out to the replay official, he had his work cut out for him, but he ended up making a lot of really good calls and replay review.
1: Yeah, he was – I don't know how many reviews we had. It seemed like a lot, but every single one of them overturned, changed. Yeah, he was yeah. a busy man. But yeah, thankful yeah. for him. Otherwise, we might not have had a chance to, to win that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were some missed spots. You know, Ollie Jennings had a first down that they had marked short. There were some, you know – Tom Brady tuck rule calls that, that came into play, a few other things, but I, I think they got the calls right, whether it was forced or against us, you know, looking especially on on second watch, like the replay review got those those calls right. There were some some interesting stoppages of play, especially in the second half. I'm not one to you know go accuse the other side of some gamemanship involving injuries because I would hope that any head coach of an FBS program would never instruct their players to go down but man there must have been some some snakes or some ice out there on that field about 10 to 15 seconds when we were in some hurry up with some good momentum because had some guys slip and fall but but thankfully they all popped up very quickly we were able to run off to the sideline for one play and we're right back in the game
2: it was a banana peel. I saw it on the field. (laughs) Little
0: Mario Kart.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a bigger problem in college football this time of year. But every year it gets worse, a little bit worse.
0: Yeah. I think they're supposed to be be cracking down on that. But before we kind of wrap up the breakdown and then throw the UVA game in the trash can and move on, Denzel Lowry had a great sack in this game. It was great to see him get some time on the defensive line. It was a great stunt call up front with the defensive line. He kind of came in on a delayed blitz and just absolutely blasted Armstrong. And then Ethan DeWayne probably had to ice his leg a little bit afterwards. He had eight punts, averaged 41.4 yards, had three inside the 20. I thought he did a great job of flipping the field for us. And I'm excited because I I read that his parents are actually going to be able to come see him play for the first time for the Arkansas State game. In the Liberty Game, so pumped that his family he gets to come and see him play. It's, it's been a tough journey for him the last two years, you know, being kind of stuck here, not able to go home. I know his parents watch the games from from afar, but you know, having his parents in the crowd will be a pretty cool thing. So if you you happen to run into any Aussies in the stands, make sure you shake their hands and, and say thank you.
1: All right, so we move on from UVA. This week we got Arkansas State. The lines are out and ODU is finally favored in a game. The spread is three and a half points or opens at three and a half points over under's what fifty is it fifty seven and a half? Or is it fifty one and a half? It was fifty seven and a half when I saw it, which I think is Hi. It's fifty seven, sorry. Or no. It's fifty seven now. It's it opened at fifty seven and a half.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a, it's a, big number. I think some of our friends that don't live in Virginia may have jumped on that 57 in a hook.
1: Yeah, the smart ones did. I know the experts on action like that under a lot. All right. So what do we know about Arkansas State other than they are led by Butch Jones,
2: the well, creator Mike.
1: of the brick-by-brick <laughs> brick mentality, the champions of life, one of the best recruiters in the country that just happens to have questionable calls during the games and so development. Mike, we're just gonna wind Mike
2: up and let him go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, he did such a great job at Tennessee that they played him for several years after he was no longer no longer coaching there. Entered the the Saban rehab program, but you know they're they're a team that is kind of on the upswing. They were two and ten last year. They were one and seven seven in the Sun Belt. They're a lot better now. Um, interesting, they've got 17 of the 44 guys on their two deep are transfers, and most of them are coming from Power Fives. They have 27 total transfers on the team. And, again, most of them are from Power Fives. One and two coming into this game, they beat Grambling State. They, they beat the Brakes off them, as, as you should with an FCS school. Lost to Ohio State. They hung in there with Ohio State early in the game. Kind of hard to get a, a read on their stats just looking at Grambling State and Ohio State. Uh, But they had a game against Memphis yesterday, lost it. I think it was like 12 is is what they ended up dropping it by. Defensively, they depth chart, and I think their base is a 4-3. But I saw a ton of 3-3-5 in that game, which I I think is good news for us in our running game. At 3-3-5, it can be a little bit confusing because you don't know where that second level pressure is coming from. Typically, there is a fourth person coming in pretty much every play to, to put pressure we should be able to run pretty well against that, should be able to defend against it. They gave up 547 yards to, to Memphis. Memphis threw all over them, 360 in the air, 187 on the ground on 45 carries. Memphis was 5 for 13 on third down, which doesn't bode well for some of our third down numbers, but they did give up three of their five fourth down opportunities. It was a close game really the whole way. Memphis got two touchdowns in the fourth quarter really is kind of a, a crazy game. I mean, there were no points in the third and then just erupted in the fourth quarter there. They're going to be tough. They're going to be looking for their first Sun Belt win, just like we are. I think they're kind of in a similar situation to us in that this is a litmus test game for them. They played Grambling, they played Ohio State. Like Memphis is kind of kind of tough. They're not a power five. But I think similar to us, we're, we're kind of looking like this is a measuring stick game of where we are, where we're going to be going forward. And we would feel a lot better about our bowl chances if we're two and two after this game, and one and three. I know that.
2: Yeah. Just looking at their offensive game plan. I mean, they're really balanced. They threw the ball 34 times. They ran it 32 times. So I would imagine that's probably what they're going to try to do. They're trying to stay balanced Memphis. On the other hand, they, they rushed the ball 45 times and only threw it 28. So I, I mean, I think if, if Ricky and our staff had their choice, if we could be effective, we'd run the ball that much too, you know, vice passing. So it'll be interesting to see if, if we really try to establish the run early and if it's successful, if we end up not quite so balanced offensive tack just like Memphis did. So I don't want yeah. to get
1: hung up on Butch Jones too long, but <laughs> – <laughs> and I know we're talking about the Arkansas State team. Looking at the roster, they got most freshmen in the country, they look a lot like we did last year. an even more crazier amount. Like they didn't have a COVID year to blame it on. They just went nuts with the portal. But Butch Jones, I want to remind everyone that he had the worst sideline gimmick of any coach in college football history. So we all know about the turnover chain and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Twenty seventeen. Butch Jones unveils the Tennessee trash can. He he gets checkerboard on it. It says Team One Twenty One on it, and it symbolized that season so well. So well. Who picks a trash can?
0: <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Same I mean, guy. I've, I've I've seen a lot of a lot of interesting celebrations in football, baseball, but I mean, the, the, the trash can, I I think once that rolled out, you kind of knew that that it was going to be curtains there for Butch, but I mean, he's at Arkansas state now, hopefully they don't have a celebratory trash can. If they do, I'm going to do everything I can to hop down for my section and go make sure that it is a a staple somewhere in, in Larchmont. Um, Yeah. But uh, defensively for Arkansas state, Caramucci and Straker at their linebacker position, those are their two leading tacklers. Those are the guys that get a lot done. That linebacker core anchors their defense. They've got a pretty solid defensive end and, and Gaithers. He's a Louisville transfer. He's got one and a half sacks. They're starters out there. You see a lot of guys with Power 5 experience. They've got a couple guys from Tennessee. They've got Purdue. They've got Louisville. You see them all over the place. You look at the offensive side of the ball, and then their quarterback is James Blackman. He started at FSU. Uh, it was kind of a dumpster fire when he was down there with all the coaching stuff going on. But he's been pretty solid at at Arkansas State. I mean, against Memphis, he was 25 for 34, 275, two touchdowns, no interceptions, has not thrown an interception this season, including against a, a really good Ohio State defense. He's going to protect the ball. He's really not been much of a runner. He hasn't run the ball much this year. He didn't run it much last year when he did. It was for negative yardage. So I think we will enjoy not seeing someone of the likes of a Holton Ehlers or a Brennan Armstrong, but just because he hasn't run in the past doesn't mean they won't target that as an option against our defense because of how susceptible our defense has been to a quarterback that can break out of the pocket on a running play. Offense is kind of similar to ours. It's an RPO concept, a lot of 31 and 22 packages. They use a good bit of motion to kind of, I guess, test the defense, see if they're in man or zone. They're not going to see much movement for us because we're usually in, in some kind of zone. And a double-headed monster at running back, Johnny Lang from Iowa State, Brian Sneed, who was originally at Ohio State and went to Austin P and did pretty well um, out of the receiver position, uh, Champ Fleming, an Oregon State transfer, surprise, surprise, power five transfer. Uh, he's their leading receiver right now. He is – Smaller. He's more like an Isaiah Page. He's smaller. I think he's 5'6". he got great speed. And then Orr is their tight end. He has two touchdowns. He's, he's a 6'4 version of Zach Kuntz. Those are their, their kind of offensive weapons. Not nearly as scary as the 6'7 monster that we faced at UVA and Wix. And then Thompson, who is number 99 for UVA, who really lit us up and stretched the field. Those types of weapons aren't there but that by no way means that this is going to be an easy task for our defense because they can definitely move the football down the field.
1: So looking at Arkansas State over the last two years, they have a grand total of three wins. Two are against FCS opponents. The other is against Louisiana Monroe. But if you look at their scores, they played a lot of those teams tough. So, I mean, they – who's a one possession game to Memphis last year, Tulsa, Georgia, Southern Louisiana, who was the SEC, the, the Sunbelt West champs and the eventual conference champs, right? Yep. That blows them out. South Alabama blow them out, but Georgia state, another close game, Texas state, another close game. If that team learns to turn the edge,
2: they could be pretty good, but who knows? Um, Yeah, let's not let that edge be this week. Yeah. They did have – I don't know.
1: I I just – they reminded me of us if we had not learned how to win last year.
2: Well, Um, hopefully they continue to remind you of us in the first seven games last year and take a big L on Saturday. Looking further, ESPN's
1: FPI, their Football Power Index – is predicting them to win at a 53.7% rate. So this should be a good one. I hope it's not, yeah. but it, it should be.
0: Yeah, I, I hope we're relaxing in the second half, but you know, based on our game so far this year, we haven't really had that. I, I know that the team will be working really hard this week. They'll be looking at a lot of film, correcting a lot of things. If you look back to last year, we were one and two to start the season last year. I feel a lot better about this one and two than I did the one and two last year because we have played two really good teams and, and one team that, that seems to be starting to turn it around. Once again, we're going up against a quarterback that's kind of proven himself to be pretty solid. I mean, you, you don't start at FSU unless you've, you've got some skills the second year in this offense with Butch Jones and their offensive coordinator. I mean, it's, It's going to be tough. Like, we've talked about this on every episode of this podcast. There are no easy wins. Like, sure, they were 2-10 and last year, but they have a boatload of Power 5 talent. And they've got one more game together, and they're one more game experience playing together. And I promise you that they're hungry to win. Like, they didn't go to Arkansas State to go 2-10 and again this year. Like, they, they want to win. They want to go to a bowl. They want to improve their draft stock. Like it's, it's going to be another tough game for us. I just hope that we are also getting better. I know that this coaching staff really prides themselves on that one and no mentality and getting better week to week. And I hope they have a good week of practice. We, we finally got bit by the injury bug a little bit for the first time this season. So there's going to be some shakeups. We're going to be banged up after games against tech East Carolina and UVA. Uh, but so far we've been able to bring guys in off the bench that have kept the talent level up, that have kept the motor up and have played pretty well. So, um, you know, it's going to be another, another time for the deuce, but I'm, I'm hoping to see some, some second string guys playing some lax uh, play here late late in the fourth quarter.
2: I think that's a testament to how the off season went and conditioning program and all the practices is there are a lot of guys that step right in. And I think that's, what's going to happen this week. I think, Guys are going to be ready. They're going to be hungry, and I think we're going to have a good week. I think it's going to be, I don't know, bounce-back week is right word to say because we were within less than a minute of winning that game at UVA. I think it's going to be a good game. I think things are going to get back on track here.
1: I will add that it looks like they've traveled quite a bit of miles this year. I mean, you had Memphis is a crosstown game for them essentially, but or down the state game. It's It's pretty close. But that trip to Ohio State is not a short one, and this trip to Norfolk is not a short one. So if there's any edge, that one will could be a, a factor. Though, this being a night game, maybe that's not as much of a factor.
0: Yeah, well, we all know that college football is nutty. I mean, one Sunday ago we were thinking that the Sun Belt was going to be getting a team into the playoffs because they were beating the brakes off of every Power 5 team in the country, it felt like. And then Marshall drops one to Bowling Green. Georgia State somehow loses to Charlotte. Louisiana loses to Rice. Uh, App State needs a crazy Hail Mary to beat Troy. Things can change on a a dime in college football. So, you know, I think we thought last week that there's no way we'd beat a Sunbelt team because they had just crushed all these teams on the road. And Now it's like, all right, maybe that loosens up a little bit, or, you know, worst case, everyone's going to get fired up on it. But all the things we can do is just look at Arkansas State, prep the best that we can, improve from what we learned from UVA, and and hope we pull out a nice win in Norfolk on Saturday. All
1: right, sorry. I thought Aaron was going to talk to
0: (laughs) We got the thumbs up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, fellas. Um. At this point, do we want to do a prediction?
0: Dude, I mean, my prediction, my prediction was so bad last week, 34 to 10 ODU. I mean, not, not even, not even close. Well, uh, I jumped gonna...
1: on, I jumped on your blowout train too. So I'm not looking at any better. Uh, I mean,
2: I could go back to saying that we're going to win on a 50 yard field goal by Ethan Sanchez. I don't think we would <laughs> kick it. I, I hope, I hope we don't. <laughs> I hope he just has like about five or six extra points.
1: That'd be ideal. It does look like they give up a lot of points and yards, but again, it's tough, tough to say with who they've played.
2: And uh, I do think that we're going to try to run the ball a ton, which will obviously expedite the game if we're running.
1: Oh, it's it's clear our mentality is we have a very good defense. We're trying to shorten the game, minimize mistakes, ball control kind of game. That's That's kind of what we are right now. And if that trend continues, it's going to be a low-scoring game.
0: We definitely did that against UVA, and time of possession is pretty balanced. UVA had it for 33-32. We had it for 26-28. So we were able to keep our defense a little bit more fresh. I would love to swing, see that swing back in our favor with, with that time of possession and plays, but we only had 11 offensive drives against UVA, which is a pretty low number considering that you had the ball for 26 minutes it really just took the air out of the ball and and try to run some clock. I I would love you know, if you, if you really look at when we ran hurry up offense against UVA. Like truly a hurry up. It was the last drive before halftime and the touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Things were clicking. We had UVA on their heels. They were had um uh, we'll just call it quickly resolved cramping issues with some of their players, but it, in that hurry up tempo mode it's it seems like our offense excelled there we did it against east carolina scores the downside of that is obviously if we're scoring quickly our defense is going to be on the field more so it's like it's double-edged sword kind of mentality There, like i don't i don't know what the best option is so i would just like our offense to find balance be able to score on a 12-play drive and if we need to score on a four-play drive but finding that balance and being able to to Drive the ball down the field and score. Get across midfield and continue driving to the end zone. Like finding that balance, and that's it's something that takes time. We do have a new offensive coordinator who is younger than all three of us that are on this call, and I promise you, I would be doing a much worse job if I was calling plays for ODU. So hopefully, with that experience, finding some balance, seeing continued great plays in the offensive line will help us.
1: I'll add. He uh, also led a really nice drive against Virginia Tech as well. So. He's pretty much 4-4 this year on two-minute drives, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, he threw some pretty balls on Saturday. The touchdown pass to Ali, there was a really, like, gutsy call. You want to look at a gutsy call at UVA? We've got, I think it was, like, a third and 15 or something on that touchdown drive at the end of the game. We're on, like, our 22, and we could have punted. There was two and a half minutes left. We had two timeouts. We could have punted, let the defense come out, make a stop and get the ball back. But we went for it. And he threw a beautiful pass on an out route to, to Zach Koontz who came out of the inside slot. Koontz made a great catch. Great pass on the money. Offensive line protection was great. We get that first down and the offense starts rolling. Like it was that play that just got everything going. And that was a gutsy, gutsy play call that if it doesn't work, yeah, I'm sure that he's getting blasted because people look at the result and, and not what was actually happening there. But that was a gutsy play call, backed up in our own end zone, and it worked. And we scored a touchdown, we took the lead, and you know, this just did not work out there on that, that final drive for UVA.
1: And that jump ball to Kunis was, was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he threw some great passes. He had some time to make some passes downfield. A couple times where he took those sacks, he ate the sack instead of having a throw that would get picked off. Like, when they're dropping those seven in coverage, like, they've got some pretty good DBs. We were only really sending three guys out. You give Hayden time, and and he can throw the ball, and they gave him time, and he did. He certainly missed some throws. He certainly missed some reads. We don't know if he's allowed to run or not, so I'm not going to bury him for for not running until I know that he has that option. Um, But we've also proven this year that we can score in a hurry when we need to, and that's a great weapon to have as we get in conference play.
1: Absolutely, especially with this defense. This defense is going to give us a chance to win, I think, every game this year. So being able to score late in a close game is going to be crucial.
2: Giving them enough time to get a rest on the sideline where they're not out there 40 minutes a game.
1: All right, so there's one other thing I want to
2: talk about about the Arkansas State game. Our group
1: has a contest. If you go on Twitter or Facebook, you can enter – by liking our page, liking the tweet or post, and commenting with a picture of you in ODU gear. If you do all those things, you will be entered to win a tailgate package that includes a blue lot pass, beer garden passes, and two tickets to the Arkansas State game. you want to give this out by Wednesday, so please enter um, we're calling it the Monarchist Experience, so if you go on Twitter, you search that. Please enter. We want to give this experience away. The people that wanted a tech loved it, and uh, I'm excited to see who our winners are this week.
0: Yeah, I don't know what we're cooking at the tailgate yet. I don't want to cook any Red Wolves, that's for sure, but maybe some of Arkansas's finest cuisine stuff <laughs> will be fired up. They've got some good barbecue out there.
2: That's right. We'll figure it out in the next two days. We'll have a menu published later in the week.
0: And fun, fun random fact. I was born in Arkansas. Never lived there, but I was born in the fantastic state of Arkansas.
2: Okay, I have to ask the question. If you were born in Arkansas, you did live there for some period of time.
0: No. So my parents lived in Oklahoma, right across the border. And they had two options when it was time for me to enter the world. They could take a curvy road. It was a little bit dangerous, and had me born in Oklahoma, where they could hop on Interstate 40 and go across the border into Arkansas. They, you know, they chose poorly, and they went into Arkansas. And I have an Arkansas birth certificate.
1: Very interesting. Also, one show on Netflix that everyone loves Ozark. Isn't that Arkansas, or is it because, on the Missouri side? Or is it on the I, Missouri side? You see Missouri, like,
2: Missouri's Ark.
0: I think it's on the Missouri side, but I mean, it's basically the same. They're just on the other side of the water from
2: each other. All right, fellas. Well,
1: thank you for joining us. Do you guys have any parting words?
2: Just tune in. In the middle of the week, Wednesday, we'll have another one where we're going to have Kara Ritchie, who does a lot of stuff with Arkansas State. If you just go to Twitter and you look up Kara Ritchie, you'll see all the great stuff she does. It'll be a great opportunity for us to learn even more about Arkansas State. Yeah, because we're we're clinging. We don't
1: we don't have much other than what Gary knows.
0: See, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's my birthright because I was born there. No, I would just say you know get get over to SB Ballard. We only have six home games. It, it's six Saturdays. Come enjoy the experience. There's a good fan experience there. The tailgate experience is great. We've got a nice new stadium. Like, come have some fun. Try to enjoy yourself. Good chance we get a win this weekend. I'm not going to predict anything, but. You know, c- come out and support these guys because I promise you that they are working hard 24-7 and they appreciate that fan support.
1: And thanks to all the Tech fans who bought season tickets and mini plans, there are a lot of cheap seats available on StubHub. Up. So you really have no excuse not to make it out there this weekend.
2: Come out and make a lot of noise with us. Help make you a really tough environment for people coming in to play against us.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to be going into enemy territory on Thursday up to Blacksburg for Virginia Tech, West Virginia. So I will be sure to thank them all for their contributions to our season ticket purchases. And if I can pick up any free ODU tickets for the rest of the season, I certainly will. All
1: right. Well, that does it for us.
0: Go monarchs. Go monarchs. Go monarchs.